I'm Biran Garrahi, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to the person they always laugh with. So she would be the one like I went would have went to LA with and we would have been howling at those parties and the state of it all and everyone being such a cringe muffin <laughs> and laughing at ourselves at auditions. So she's like that side. And then my girlfriends, my three main friends that I went to school with and who are still my best friend. It's like anytime we can get together again, we it's we always like text each other like pack your spare pair of knickers because you're going to piss yourself laughing. <laughs> Actress and proud Monaghan woman Charlene McKenna is my guest this week. She talks to me about growing up in Monaghan with five brothers, surviving a dodgy flight to a yoga retreat and marrying the love of her life during lockdown. This season of the podcast is brought to you by Aussie Hair, my trusted hair care brand and I got a very exciting delivery this week. They have a brand new product, the Aussie SOS Hair Masks. There's a supercharged moisture mask and a supercharged repair mask. So it's big tubs of hair mask because I use the treatment shot, which is just that, a shot of treatment for your hair when you're in a rush. But now I'm sorted for a more luxurious mask experience, which I will want over the summer. As we all know, the sun can do damage to our hair. And so if you want to look after a little bit more, if it's feeling that little bit drier, these masks are the job for you. They come with Aussie's deepest conditioning formula yet. So if you want to indulge tired tresses with a scoop of glorious thick cream that is, fun fact, vegan, then get your hands as quick as you can on the Aussie SOS hair masks. And now for my chat with Charlene McKenna. I hope you enjoy. Charlene McKenna, you are extremely welcome to the last of your life. <laughs> Thank you, Darren Garrahy. I'm very extremely happy to be here for I the laughs of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I insisted that we had no idle chit chat so that we could save the idle chit chat for the podcast uh, yes. when we officially started recording. Where in the world? Oh, that's a big mug. Where in the world are you? <laughs> that and she is referring to my face. Um <laughs> I know, mugs look very big. I think he must have an awful small head. Because I've done this before, like, on audition self-tips, and, like, I know I'll drink, and then I cover my whole head for half the take. I'm like, oh, that was a, that was a bad choice. Um, I'm in Monaghan, sunny Monaghan. Riddle me this. Riddle me, yeah. Oh, my God. Because, obviously, you had your big day back in Feb. Was it Feb? Oh, my God. So it was no, just... very beginning of January. I just oh, January. didn't announce it. To the people till February. You, you bloody A-lister. <laughs> no one cared. But you know, I did. It was a, a big lot of people, secret. <laughs> a lot of people cared. I cared. The dress. Oh. And I just, I think everyone. Do you know what? At the start, I remember at the start of the pandemic when people were talking about weddings and, you know, the whole grand scheme of things. It was like, yeah, but people's lives. Like, you cannot underestimate how devastating it must be for someone trying to plan a wedding. And then the whole like, ah, we've pushed it out by six months and it's going to oh. be fine. Then the six months comes around. How many pushing out, pushings out did you have to do? I did. The first one was, the first wedding was meant to be July. The second wedding was meant to be August. Then we floated an idea of City Hall before we realized City Hall was closed, City Hall in New York, before we realized that the travel ban was never lifting and that City Hall itself was closed and, and there was a six month backlog. So I was like, oh, that was a balls. And then 
we pushed another to now to April, we thought maybe. So I don't know how many that was. It's it's such a logistical nightmare. The amount of emails I had to send out to the whole guest, like the whole guest list, and then be like, oh no, actually it's this. Oh no, actually, not. but hold on to your invites because the information's the same, but the date and that's oh. oh my God. Yeah. Um, so it is a logistical nightmare because then you're like trying to keep caterers and photographers and the chapel and the priest and everybody going, okay, what about this date? Would this work for you and them and you and you and you? And everyone's like, yeah. And you're like, okay. And then Michal Martin, whatever's like, no, now it'll be six people, 25 people. Oh, Just give up. Torture. Torture. Just <laughs> Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, as I say, my heart has gone out to all of the brides, but you've done it now. You've tied the knot and I've probably jumped the gun with that question about the wedding. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we might come back to that. But for let's now, like let's circle back. We'll circle back. <laughs> oh, my God. I actually saw a tweet. Did you, uh, did you see that viral tweet about circle back? No, it was I'm like it was on a, the Twitter. It was a girl. Oh, yeah, you're better off. It was a girl <laughs> tweeting about her like fiance. And she was like, oh, well, working from home is interesting because I've been eavesdropping on my fiance and he's a circle back kind of guy. And I don't know how oh. I feel about that. No, neither would I. Oh, no. I had oh, a friend in, when we lived in New York, when she lived with me in New York. And she uh, she had a guy in her office who would put his hand up and do go bear with. No. <laughs> So now we do bear with it. It's one of them things that what's it? There's another meme about that about when you start to say something ironically and then know that it's going to become part of your vocabulary. Oh my god! Or like, or like, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. We're we're we're, we're we digress. We digress. We digress. We digress. That's actually another one. Oh god. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, right. Let's get going. Charlie McKenna, your first memory of laughter. Right. So then I started to think, I was thinking about this, and I was like, oh, I clearly was really depressed, but I really wasn't. But <laughs> I couldn't think of my first memory of laughter at all. But then I remembered our house is a very funny house. Humor is, humor is currency. Humor is key. I remember daddy and the boys, my five brothers, watching a lot of Billy Connolly and Dave Allen. And I remember them and me laughing a lot at Dave Allen, um, Dave Allen's skit about when car, which is funny now because cars, when cars would talk to you and go petrol, petrol, and door open, door open. So I remember that. And I remember Billy Connolly's, that special he did in the black and white zebra where it was Billy Connolly in pink behind him. Yeah. That, I think it was, I think, no, 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 I'm lying, I'm telling you that was later. An audience with Billy Connolly where it would flash to all the people in the audience. I don't know whether it was the 80s or the 90s. Um, that's my first memories of laughter. I would have, I think I'd have to say. Where do you come um, in the sibling order? Baby. Are you baby? Can't you tell? Oh my god. Love me, love me. Yeah. I'm the Same. baby. That yeah. is me. And especially with brothers. Like I was bad enough for like being obsessed with wanting to make my sisters laugh and think I was cool and I would do anything to achieve yeah. that. But it was yeah. tougher. Yeah, it was a lot it was it was a lot tougher. And there there's a five year gap between me and the next boy. And uh, yeah, I I think I just, but I think that's where I got a lot of watching people from. 
and then like you then taking it in then doing impressions or then I think I did an awful lot of sponging young and then was like right then you start to learn how to use humor to like ingratiate yourself into circumstances but I was never the funny one in the family really no now I'm like probably considered very dry humored but I would say my brother Adrian is probably when he's on form he is on fire because he can do all the impressions and he can do all the people that come into our pub he can do them all every characteristic that they have he's just masterful so when he's on form I power down yes and then he does it but it is a very it's a very funny family there's what a lot of crack in ours was it a madhouse yeah yeah, it was like just five Hallions about the place and then me, half a Hallion and then half a girly girl. So I'd be like, I'd be like, someone play with Barbies with me. And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, you're right, let's play football. And they <laughs> loved nothing more than kicking the ball at my head to get rid of me. Um, which I think back now is like just awful. But they'd go, yeah, you do goals there between the tree and the jumper. And so I'd do goals and they'd, kick the ball like at my head then I'd go and cry into mommy and then she'd come out shouting at them it was just an endless cycle I mean they loved me to death but I must have been like they must have had to go away <laughs> when when did performing come into your life literally like as as in when I was literally on a stage was 11 but I was on a stage in my head way younger I in fourth class I told everyone I wanted to be a country and western singer and oh I well there I just remembered that's my first experience being laughed at <laughs> that wasn't the one I was going to use because I hadn't remembered that it reminds me of Tommy Tiernan you <laughs> Tommy never remember something Tom that you've never remembered before <laughs> um that's one of them moments yeah I I told everyone I wanted to be a country and western singer and um really young like third or fourth class and everyone laughed at me and yeah but so that's where yeah performing always wanted to perform okay well you now you've jumped the gun because the next question is the first time you felt laughed at well the story I had thought of before I remembered okay was we were never allowed to go to the village I don't know I don't know what madness mommy thought we'd get up to in a one street village in Monaghan but we weren't allowed to go because God knows, you'd come home pregnant and you seven. But I remember being allowed to go, like, once. I don't know why I was there. There was a wee park. We were out to the park. Anyway, we were hanging out outside the shop. And I remember there was boys there. I must have been early teens, though, because I would just never would have been allowed otherwise. I, I was definitely, like, at that, like, I'm a big girl. And I remember, oh, it just makes the hair stand on my neck, even just at the because I was feeling sassy and confident and I just like wasn't those things, but I was just, I was on the town. And there was boys there and there was girls and I couldn't tell you who they were, but someone said to me, your fly's undone. <gasps> no. But I'd no. never heard that before and didn't know what it meant. <laughs> and I remember being like, yeah, well, your fly is done. And like, it's not, I don't know. I was being really like cocky back and I kept talking shit. And they were like, <laughs> and then someone went, your zip's down. And I 
have never, I, I mean, I, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot now remembering it. Because I was just, it's never left me ever. The scars run so deep. And I, that's, and because of course everyone laughed at me, but I was, oh my God, I hate it, I hate it. Do you know that like when things haunt you, like just don't ever get above yourself? Because that oh. was like one of them grounding moments. Because I was so, I was so full confident. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh your fly's undone. I'm... I every time I hear that expression, your fly's undone, I'm like, <gasps> can't bear it. Oh, I can't bear it. The discovery. It's like when you're going home from like, boys or something you think you're something in your teeth they're like a snot in your nose no. just, just, no. leave, just don't leave the house ever again just don't 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 leave and when they <laughs> and when you when you realize what it meant did you zip up your fly in front of everyone i think i zipped up my fly and never returned to the village <laughs> i think i wasn't seen again until i was about 25. <laughs> mommy you were right there was a reason we shouldn't be allowed to hang out <laughs> she had a gut in instinct you should have feckin listened yeah Oh my God. I was going to mortify know, myself. Yeah. Do you know what I always, I always presume when uh, a girl has like a couple of older brothers that they will always have kind of been there to protect. But then usually when I ask like, oh, yeah. was it great to have, they're like, no, they didn't care about me. What yeah. was it like for you? No, mine would have been, but I, there was the age gap. I never went anywhere with them. I remember once, oh, it's another cringe bag. I remember once mommy was at the bingo and in a different village. And I was um, hanging about while they played bingo. And there was a boy I fancied. And I remember he said something mean to me. And I remember being like, I have five brothers and they will come down here and they will beat you up. And again, he laughed at me. And I remember thinking that that threat wasn't taken seriously enough. But I knew they would if I, you know, if I had said, come on now, they, they would defend my honor. Oh. They never had to though, I was scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, queen. No. If your first time on stage was eleven, wh where did it go from there? And 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 did you have? Were you bitten by a bug for for theatre? And then when did screen come into your life? I, I actually really was as 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 trite as that might sound. I just remember. Well, I mean, you you know, you get it. It's like, oh, this is what adulation and uh, applause feels like. More. Um, <laughs> So I loved it. I was like a little chorus girl in Oklahoma in the local play. Again, I got to go to the village. Um, <laughs> so that's where it was on. It was big, it was like Hollywood. And then pure pure serendipity, that was at 11 and at 12, I did, went to secondary school. And at secondary school, they started Monaghan New Theatre that year. And I went, well, that's the place for me. Had to fight with mommy to be allowed to go because she thought I wanted to hang around the town and look at the boys which I actually didn't even at that stage after I was still recovering from my fly being undone. <laughs> and then I, my first screen was, was uh, at 16. There was this random Disney thing that came to, I filmed in Ireland for Swedish TV to teach kids in Sweden English. So it was like an English kids show shot in Ireland for obviously the Disney channel, the internet, I don't even know. And that was the first thing on ever on professional on screen. And did you know then this is what I want to do? I don't know what I knew. Yeah, I loved it. And I, but I didn't, I still mustn't have thought that it was something you could elect to do, to choose to, to do, because I didn't, 
go to drama school then. And I didn't think I should go to drama school and I didn't do anything like that. So I, because yeah, I kept going, like I did an Aircom ad, I remember after that. And then I did an Aquafina ad randomly after that. So I did keep going, but still didn't think uh, that that was, I don't know. Yeah, but it, I, yeah, it's what I wanted to do, but I didn't think it was, I didn't know how you did it. Is it true you studied religion? Yeah, theology and music. Where? Matter day, just gone now, I think. But it was, uh, it used to be private. And then the year after I came out of my first year that I left in college, that year, when I was 19, it opened up to the public. And I was like, right, I'll give that a go. And yeah, oh yeah, we'd mass every day at 12 o'clock. And it was just, it was obviously home from home because I went to the convent in Monaghan. So then here I was in another, let's have the Angelus at 12. Um, but I just wanted to do the music part, but you had to do theology. But a lot of it was very, very interesting. I mean, really interesting. Like, you know, studying conscience and studying sin and studying stuff like that. I just wasn't mad about all the Angeluses and the masses. <laughs> I was like, can we go to the canteen and have a cup of tea and a Twix though? Like we did mass earlier and there'll be more mass. There's a lot of mass, an awful lot of mass. Um, so yeah, I got real good at the mass <laughs> in college. Stone mad for mass. Yeah. <laughs> you going out and getting, you know, locked in like Temple Bar and then go up the next day into college to go to mass. Oh my God. It's bizarre. And did you enjoy it though? Not so much the mass, but I enjoyed the college. Okay, okay. the moment when if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Oh, now, because it's in your thing that, like, it's the kind of laughter that might make you feel like a psychopath. I decided in my wisdom one year to take Adam, my uh, husband, on a yoga retreat, just negating the fact that he hates yoga, because in my head, he's really good at it, but he doesn't enjoy it. So I thought I'd take him for a two-week yoga retreat in Costa Rica. Oh. And we flew down to Costa Rica, but then you had to get on one of them, like, Fisher-Price airplanes and fly to this remote part where the place was because it was all eco it was an eco retreat right um so we got and it was one of them tiny planes where there's no door and you can see the pilots and there was a couple of people on it was all i already hate them and like the airport wasn't even an airport it was like a lean-to in the middle of the jungle and so anyway we got on this plane and all was like you know okay i just yeah anyway we hit a storm and so, because you could see the pilots and you could see it all getting very serious and they were like flicking loads of buttons and we were, it was all, you know, one of them planes. And for some reason, Adam went grey. He turned into concrete and he just went grey because he was like, this is where it ends. Oh, no. This is where it ends. We're going to die in the jungle in Costa Rica. And I reacted to it by hysterical laughter. <laughs> but, 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 but hysterical laughter. And I and I remember being beyond terrified, but I could not stop laughing. The tears were streaming down my face. I was howling. And all the other, like the six other people on the plane were like looking at me because everyone, like the plane, you know, you could see the lightning and these tiny windows and it was just streaming and there was no end. And we didn't know how high up or low down we were. And I was, I mean, it was, you know, the kind of laughter you keep going, <laughs> Thinking, 
if that's going to be my reaction, touch all over if I ever die in a plane crash. Just hysterical. But, but if great. I hadn't been laughing, I'd have been bawling. It was, but it wasn't underneath. It wasn't enjoyable. It was just uncontrollable. It was just, I mean, it was an Adam's looking at me like, what? Like, just who are you? Like, he was nearly, <laughs> once we get down, he was like, oh, and then when we, sorry, we obviously landed safely in a graveyard. The <laughs> runway went through a graveyard. No. So when we came out of that and me howling, we could see out the wee windows and there's all these headstones. And I was like, I can't, like, I'm done. We were like, we're going to roll back. We're not flying back. We're like, we're going to just move here. So that was, yeah. Oh, move here. So I'm just, <laughs> we're just, we live here now because I'm never getting on one of them toy with the, like, someone just glued the wings on. Oh, but uh, yeah, but how, how was the retreat though? <laughs> it was, it was really good. I did about five hours of yoga a day and Adam at the time used to smoke. He doesn't smoke anymore. He used to sneak to the gates and just chain smoke and wait for the bar to open at five o'clock. We were the only two. There was a bar and no one went to it except us two. Five o'clock on the dot every day. We were like, what's the daily cocktail? Oh my God. Everyone else was so yogi. And we were like, we were like the two just get us. Why are we here? But it was lovely. It was lovely. <laughs> Tell me, how did you and Adam meet? It was on, it was, yeah, it was 2012. Um, there's a lot of misreporting there. It's 2012, people. <laughs> it was back in 2012. And yeah, we, we, we'd all had a cast dinner. Um, this is an exclusive. We all had a cast dinner and we sat opposite each other, from each other and didn't talk because it was a big table. And I had different people to my left and right. And, you know, it was one of them dinners. And he was across the table and he said he remembers thinking, she's a bitch. And I remember thinking nothing of him because <laughs> he doesn't really talk. That's and even like, worse. Whatever. But then the next day or the day after we had to, well, we didn't have to meet. It was suggested that we meet for coffee because we were going to be filming together soon and have a chat. And then, oh my God, I just fell in love with him. I really, he had me howling with laughter like slapping a table I just remember the laughter and then I kind of followed him about and I didn't really realize how weird it was because I just thought he must be having a great time as well and I think he was <laughs> but I was really and where are you going now anyway and he was going to Fallon and Burn to do his grocery shop and I was like sure I'll, sure I'll come with you but like and I did I followed him around he said he remembers being like why is this chick like doing my groceries with me and now he was like I don't know what to buy <laughs> So it's all like, yes, and I love Kale. And I was like, oh, yeah, Kale, that's cool. I just was mad about him. Oh, my God. Because um, he was so, he was so interesting and funny and smart. And I'd never met anybody really like him. And yeah, that's, and then we we worked together. And so that was, was that, was that scary then? Because if you felt like that from the get-go, was it scary to work with him? Were you like, oh, where's this going to go? And how am I? I was giddy and I was excited and I just, I just fancied him so much. I don't know what he thought of me during all that, but I, I really thought, actually our first day on set, we joked about what our kids would be called, which is weird. Um, I, cause his surname is Rothenberg and I was like, Oh, that'd be a, like, you know, Rothenberg. I was like, what could you put with that? And then we were, we were joking that if you put any TH names that sound Spanish, you know, like Bertha Rothenberg, like ever the Bithy, but so I, that's all. That's what I remember. And yeah, I, I was nervous. I don't know what he was. Was but, was he joking? But you were deadly serious. Yeah, I'm like, no, I've picked out our monogrammed towels. <laughs> now, 
Oh, no, so, no, I, I've, yeah. I've booked their places in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun. I think we can holiday in the Cape. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God, I love it. Okay. Charlene, your no laughing matter moment in life. Oh, oh. Um, probably there's kind of two I've talked about it before with uh, when I've talked about anxiety but probably I would sort of say I had two kind of breakdowns um uh, one of them was the last one was about I was about 10 years ago and it was just when everything just I just hadn't stopped I hadn't caught up on my I just had a just a total breakdown and I had to come home and just figure a lot of stuff out and start down the road of like therapy and, and realize like go back and look over a lot of stuff and what got me there but it was it really was no laughing matter like I remember I remember daddy saying to me he was like he was like I'd actually pay any money he was like that you'd even pick a fight with me he was because I was so flat I wouldn't laugh I, I did cry, but I wasn't even crying. I was nothing. I was just so sick and so anxious and so tired. And I remember, I remember waking up, like the anxiety would wake me at like three in the morning or four, you know, the way it does, that gremlin in your stomach. And then I remember then the thoughts, all the intrusive bullshit, unrelated thoughts would start spinning. And I remember they'd, they'd spin so fast. I remember physically holding on to the side of the bed because I'd be like, oh, and that was that. But the only, the, so that would be my absolutely no laughing manner. But I remember my, I remember I could, I remember talking to my parents. That's why I always, because I understand a lot of people don't feel they can talk. I know it's not, I hope you know, people go talk about it, but a lot yeah. of people can't talk about it. Yeah. They feel they can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I remember I did talk about it. I could tell mommy and daddy. I couldn't articulate. But they were like, okay. And they were very open to what I needed. Or And I didn't know what I needed. But luckily at the time, my brother lived beside uh, a psychologist. And he was like, why don't you just go and talk to her? And she saw me. And it was just, it was the start of a beautiful road of like recovery and therapy and seeing the wood for the trees and put myself back together better than before, like on a better foundation. And so that hopefully, I mean, it doesn't happen again or if it happens, you have tools now. But I just, yeah, I, I achieved a lot of, a lot of stuff young and I, I put immense pressure on myself and I never stopped to think of any adverse effects and then yeah and then it, and then it, it it'll come you know it'll always catch up like you can't bury any of that stuff and you know there have been breakups and and yeah. I was doing raw and I was carrying the show like I was the lead and it was so successful but I just kept going I just kept going just kept going just kept going just kept going and I was still in my like mid to late 20s so it was also like living in London party and just keep going audition and then just bzz, bzz, smoke come out of my ears. But yes, that was my definitely no laughing matter. That said, wouldn't change it. Yes. I mean, I'd like to have circumvent, you know, vented it, but as and got the tools. But it all happens the way it does for a reason, doesn't it? 
And in the lead up, and, and was there one particular moment where you had like a, a panic attack or a meltdown that made you go, oh my God, what is happening? Or was it kind of gradual? And where you got no. to the point where you went, I need to go home. No, I did. I had come home from London and I'd gone to Dublin and we'd all, a group of us had gone out for, I don't remember which, I think it was 08 to 09. Because it was a New Year's Eve and we went out and we had a, we partied the night away and we had a great time. And I remember waking up the next day at my boyfriend at the time's parents' house. And you know, you were, I was just really hungover. And then I was like, oh, Jesus. And really hungover. But our relationship was unraveling and I, I didn't see that either. I couldn't see. There was just so many red flags that were getting ignored. And it was that day, I think it was that day the next morning, I can't remember, I was driving home to Monaghan anyway. And I always, uh, the funnier side of it is, you know that moment, have you seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? No. When like, it, it opens on him driving and he's losing his mind. And he's like, I should really tell someone about these bats that are like flying around the car kind of thing. Oh my God. And I remember, I didn't have bats or anything, but I remember feeling like the car was just closing in on me. And I was like, I started to get that feeling where I was like, I felt like I couldn't get under my breath. Like I was like, it was basically a shorter breath. I was obviously having a panic attack, but I didn't yeah. know that's what it was. And yeah. then I couldn't get under the breath. And I was like, I can't. And I was like, no, you can, you're right. And then I, I came home and I remember like getting into daddy's chair and Ellen was on. And I remember Ellen really not cheering me up. And I remember, and then I just, I had that feeling for like about six months. That was like, like it just wouldn't, it was just, just this, because again, I didn't, that was, it was the next time when I got the therapist. That time I just plunged straight back into work. So that's why the other one was like a double whammy. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I, like I ignorant my way out of the other one. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's so true. I, I love that you said that you couldn't articulate it. Because I do think, I, I am so glad that nowadays we all mm. know the words and we know what we, what if we were in that rut, what we would say to someone. Yes. They are the buzzwords that are around. And sometimes yeah. you kind of go, God, are they used too much? But then I'm like, no, they, it, they can't be used too much. You know, yeah. like you'd see people on social media saying, I'm really anxious. And you're like, are you anxious or are you just a bit stressed? Because let's not, yes. let's not self-diagnose and kind of underestimate how bad yeah. anxiety actually is for, for yeah. people. Yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, the fact that people have the vocab now, that they can go to someone. And I say, mean, I didn't know about the. I mean, I knew about the word anxiety. I mean, anxiety as a as a as a condition like depression. Till I was twenty seven, and I feel like people, teenagers, you know, now have the vocabulary, as you say. Totally. But yes, it's tricky. It's tricky because, and also people associated, misassociated. I think you know, you might be nervous about something. You're a bit anxious. That's different to anxiety as a thing. Yeah. Because that will pass and it's not, you know what it's about. Like yes. if you have an interview, you'd be like, ooh, there's that horrible, creepy feeling, but you know it's focused on that thing. It's when you have that feeling and nowhere to focus, you don't know why. And every time still when it happens again now, even though you know the words, you know what it is, because it's such an awful feeling, it doesn't feel any better. It's just nice to know there's that, thing there's that feeling like I used to call it I, I look back at old journals before I had any of the words and I'm like I, it's like that that weird feeling that creepy feeling or that there's that suffocating feeling but never knew what it was just yeah. when things start to come in around you you go up, up but yes it is getting better but there's still a ways to go and you talked about the you know having the tools like what are the 
everyday things that you would do now that are probably just so ingrained in you that in a way they, they probably are prevention, but you don't even realize it this Yeah, time. yeah. I think when I found out that there was a name for it and that it was a thing was huge because then you could look it up. Yeah. Like the, the things like in terms of like, you know, getting out and walking the dog and all that. But a lot of, I mean, this is a good side, I think, of social media is I still see stuff that makes me go, oh, yeah. Um, stopping, and it's a daily work, mental work out, stopping shudding. I was an awful, you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. yeah. I was such a, you shouldn't, I still do that go, but we shouldn't feel happy. You know, everything's fine. You're white. And it's like, Mm-mm. and learning that feelings were energy. That there's two things that happen. And one is the energy field of a feeling. And then the story in the head that you attach to it. Yeah. And that they could be separated. And like, you can deal with the story and look at those thoughts and find, is there any validity to them? Uh, separate from the feeling that has become so it's recognizing that and recognizing what the feelings are and and things like that I think has been I'm like oh my god mind wrong but shudding shudding on ourselves is huge like I shouldn't feel that way or I should feel that way or I should or I should or I should what and it's and it's so damaging, like the way you mentioned there that you were peak, you were at peak raw time when you might have felt like, and but sure you're you're flying yeah. it, yeah. Shouldn't. You know, yeah. you know, it's not just ourselves that do it; we do it to each other as well. Yeah, and that, yeah, it is. It's so scary, like because people can say those things, and you then then you go, oh god, they're right. Like I have so much yeah. going on, and I should be, I should feel so lucky, I should feel so oh, yeah. happy, grateful. And then you shame yourself, so then you shame the feelings. And then you shame yourself for having the feelings. So then you put the feelings away and then the feelings come back as anxiety. All of a sudden, you don't know why you can't breathe and don't stores. And it's like, that's why. My, my therapist said a great thing. She said, anxiety is like a saucepan with boiling water in it. And what we do is we put a lid on it. And if you put the lid on it, she's like the bubbles push the lid up and they start tapping. And that's the start of the feelings. And it's about you know, take the lid off and deal with what's underneath the yeah. lid. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the shoulds are all lids. It's, and it's, it's futile. Charlene, the person you always laugh with. I do, Adam's very funny and I do have a lot of laughs with Adam. But, well, I, I my friend Millie in London is, uh, she's 10 years younger than me and I have no younger sisters. So when I first asked, read that question I thought of her straight away because it's a it's a it's like a young sister fierce silly uh laughter like ridiculous laughter it must I think she brings out my inner child <laughs> like a lot and we howl with laughter and we're also really really able to laugh at ourselves so she would be the one like I went would have went to LA with and we would have been howling at those parties and the state of it all and everyone being such a cringe muffin <laughs> and laughing at ourselves at auditions. So she's like that side. And then my girlfriends, my three main friends that I went to school with and who are still my best friend. It's like anytime we can get together again, we it's we always like text each other like pack your spare pair of knickers. Because <laughs> you're going to piss yourself laughing. And it's a different laughter. It's like we were thinking about, we were like, what is this? This is just, I think it's because it's because we've known each other since we were 12. 
and now we're all like 37. Like we're like, it's like a shortcut into real specific laughter and crack and oh my God, I miss it so much. Oh. But yes, that day, my, you know, I've just named a hundred people there. But... <laughs> Anyway. No, there's no laughs like the like the school friend laughs because no matter where any of you at are, are are at in life, whether one of you is as single as they come or another yeah. with the baby, like you're still cracking up at the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, you've got that shared experience, life experience of growing up together, which just can't ever be like imitated. So it's priceless because they can always take you back down a peg or two to be like, yeah, but you shifted blah blah when you were thirteen. It's like I don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah. that. And you're like, damn it, but I'm really famous and successful now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I'll make you sign an, an NDA. Yeah, yeah, where am I gonna get my people on this? My lawyer's gonna be pissed. <laughs> okay, Charlene, a time when you had the last laugh. Um, I really um, have been lucky and don't have many people that I don't like, but what came to my head was, I did have a very, hateful English teacher and I really wanted to study English and I loved English and she I remember her oh she was awful she'd throw my homework at me she'd call, say it was putrid she I, I mean I'm sure now I go look she was obviously unhappy in her own life but she was awful and she made me switch year she made me switch to lower level and then the two teachers got into a fight and then the other teacher wanted me she was like you shouldn't be in lower level you should be in higher level this is ridiculous. And then there was nowhere for me to go when I was stuck. But I remember her coming up to me in a coffee shop in Monaghan and just licking my arse and telling me how great I was and how well I was doing. And I, lovely, all lovely things. Yeah. But I just remember that was a bit of a moment of, hmm, well, <laughs> you weren't saying that back then when you were ruining my life, were you? Um, <laughs> Like, I remember saying to her, like, I was like, like, I want to do higher level. Um, and well fit for higher level. And her, I was like, because I think I might like to study English. And she, I was like, like, maybe I'd like to be an English teacher. And she went, no, she laughed at me. And was like, well, I'm sure maybe you will one day in a you so never will tone. Not and it was yet, just not. crushing. So her, her uh, coming up to me and doing that was, was nice. Although she still gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I'm still like going from about me. You, there, there might be a few. I, I always love to a ask anyone who is in your industry um, about last laughs that maybe haven't even occurred to you, but say, for example, a part that you might have auditioned for that you felt, yeah. yes, this is mine. And if you didn't get it, but you then were freed up and you auditioned for something else and that was way more amazing than the previous one would have been. Have yeah. you had any of those? There's been loads, you know what, there's been loads of that. I always say, and I do believe that the universe has had my back. I can't think of an example, but there's definitely been parts that I thought, that I, that, that I thought, oh, this would be so great, and this would mean this, and then that would mean that for my career. And then the show tanked or something. Yeah. Or yeah. the reviews were horrendous. And I'm like, oh, thank God. So there's been loads of them. Loads of them. And I, and, and I often think, I do, I do always really, I'm a bit of like the universe has my back. I do really think that. And even shows that I haven't got that have been hugely successful. I think there's just a reason why, I do believe that there's a reason why you're where you are, where, when you're there, even if it's negative, there's a reason. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it's our job to find that reason. My biggest one of those, sorry, it's not mine, but I feel like it's mine because it's just so close to my heart, was Nadine Coyle not getting into six, but then getting into Girls Aloud. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. But exactly. There's like... There's no, there's no rules. There's no, like you think and you compare yourself and all this shit. And then you're like, it was a name in Amy Schumer's book or something was like, like stay, mind your own road. Yeah. And we're all, it's human nature, I think, to look over there and go, oh, but she got that now. Oh, well, that could have been, but it's not you. I know. Like, you I know. Did, that's not you. You didn't get it. They did. Mazel tov. What are you doing? I know. I know. Oh <laughs> Worry God. about yourself. Why does it take so long in life to to fully understand that though? Because no matter how much your mom might have said it to you when you were younger, yeah. like it doesn't register until like I'm 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 I'll be twenty nine in May and I'm just about getting my head around those. You'll still have a setback though. I think it's because it's just human nature. I think you go back to when we were just in the savannah running about, and you needed to belong to physically survive. Yeah, and that reptile part of our brain, that's what's happening. Uh, and that's survival. If you had got that, you were in, you were, you've survived. Yeah. But it's not true so much anymore. Just need yeah. to update that part of the old brain there. Absolutely. Okay, Charlene, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Oh my God. Chips. <laughs> yes. What, like chippy chips, Tommy's chips, shout out in Monon. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I love chips. Uh, wine. Yeah. Um, yeah. more healthy spiritual things like walking the dog, um, but you know it does it 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 does get you out of many's the funk. But yeah, uh, at the minute I'm having a real hard time with cream eggs. <laughs> I, me and mommy are trying to go cold turkey on cream eggs, but like it's not easy. They've got a grip, and yeah, like I try to eat them in half so that I I half a lot of stuff. I I've always had a theory that I'm allowed one nice thing a day. Of course. Every day I'm allowed one nice thing. But therefore, if you want two nice things, I have to take the one nice thing and half it. Ah, for God's sake. No, you can't half a cream egg. That's that's ridiculous. I do. I have them and me and mommy does the same. And then we put the fat half in a egg cup. <laughs> and you come to it later. But yesterday I did that. I half the cream egg, put the other half in the egg cup, had my tea, had my half, went right over, picked out the other half, ate it all. It's just, I'm like, I'm trying to quit. Are you are you a good cook? I've got an awful lot better. Yeah, but no is the answer because I have all <laughs> these friends. Like I've a lot. I've an awful lot of older friends, like, like much older, like in their fifties, and they are like chef status, proper okay. cooks. So I feel like compared to them, no. But yeah, we're yeah. Lockdown's been good for that, hasn't it? Oh my god, yeah. Trialing and testing. Well. I'm actually, I too am a terrible cook. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I've seen people do it on Instagram, you know? Yeah, seen people get really good at it. Yeah. No, okay. I have. I think I'm all right. Yeah. Well, does Adam cook? Yeah, he's got mad into it in lockdown. We have an apartment in Manhattan that's this like shoebox size. So we assumed we weren't that into cooking, but that's because the kitchen was literally the size of a washing machine. Yeah. Like so small and you can't fully shoulder turn around in it. It's that small. So we you know, often, and it's Manhattan, so you'd be like, just, you know, just order in. Because the groceries are so dear as well. So, but now with this, and me being in Ireland, and he's in Atlanta with a big kitchen, he's, yeah, he's now baking sourdough. He's gone in on cooking. Has it been since the wedding? Have you not seen him since the wedding? 
I got to go over a few weeks ago for, for two weeks, but I've seen him for two weeks now and over four months, which is shit. Oh my God. But I rap in May, so hopefully I'll get back to him then. How's it going? Uh, us or you, me? <laughs> your work. Oh, my work. I was like, we're fine. A lot of faith time. Um, my work, good, really good. I'm only a wee bit left and then I'm, I'm wrapped. Oh. But yeah, it's lovely. It's, I mean, there's so many Irish people on Peaky that it's just like home from home. Yeah. Just what Killian's Irish, the director's Irish. I know loads of them. It's good crack. It's, re- it's really good crack. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for a quick fire round? Yeah, go. <gasps> the actor you always laugh at. Now, I have a lot of actor comedians. Does that count? Like, uh, yeah, that's fine. Probably Eddie Murphy. Oh, lovely. In, in all and everything. Um, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the actress you always laugh at. Oh shit! There's so many. Like, like I think all the girls from Friends are such comedic geniuses because that is so hard. I'm newly obsessed with Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. I think. I think she's a G. The balls to be that big and pull it off. Um, the Kristen Wiggs, Maya Rudolph, oh. they're all really funny. You mentioned Sorry, Amy me. Schumer. I actually, yes. I watched her Netflix. Have you watched her Netflix special? Yeah. Not the one about cooking, the other one. The one about when she's pregnant? Yeah. So, so funny. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. The movie you always laugh at, Lila. It's annoying because the second one was shy, but coming to America. Yeah, good. Oh my god. I love all them NAF 80s films, like all the coming to America's hot shots, uh just all them stupid funny. Did I write bit of the fast show growing up? Yeah. But that, yeah, all that stuff makes me laugh out loud. Love it. The comedian you always laugh at. I, well, with Shout Out to Ireland, I love Tommy Tiernan. Although he hasn't just says he doesn't stand up in a long time, no. In ages. And it, no, oh I'm thinking God. back to his early, like with the donkey, like early Tommy specials. Howling. Got me over my first ever breakup. Um, yeah, oh, Tommy. Uh, Billy Connolly back in the day. And then the Dave Chappelle's and Eddie Murphy back in the day. Uh, I love, I love comedy. Oh. I love comedy. I love comedians. Jerry Seinfeld. I just love them all. I love. I watch every episode of Comedians in Cars. Mad. I'm mad for comedy. I am. <laughs> Stone mad. Stone and mad. finally, Charlene, your best or worst joke? Oh, like you're ready to pick up a name. This is Matthew McFadden's joke. <laughs> and then he told one day while shooting a really horrendous... It's a scene in Ripper Street where my character gets pulled into a snuff movie so she's gonna get she's going she's about to get raped and murdered so we were filming that and obviously it was very heavy and we talked to tell jokes in the gaps to you know yeah. brighten the mood and he told this one which i now you pass off as my own so there's a fella <laughs> in a bar i was gonna say stop me if you've heard it but that it ruined the podcast there's a fella <laughs> in a bar and he's full drunk he's pissed and he is He's just a mess. There's like vomit in front of his shirt and he's in the, he's at the bar and he's crying, he's a mess. There's a fella sat next to him and he says, hey, pal, are you all right? Like, what's wrong with you? And he was like, I, I can't go home. I, I can't go home. My wife said, if I came up drunk, she divorced me. And look at me, I'm a mess and I'm sick of myself. And I know he's a mess. So the guy goes, listen, listen, he goes, look, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. He goes, look, here's a tenner. 
He's like, put that in your pocket. Music like, and go home. And if your wife starts on you, say, no, no, no. The, um, give her the money and say that this that someone got sick on you. Someone else got drunk and got sick on you. And you've got the money to prove it. And he's like, oh, okay. So he goes home, a mess. And the wife's like about to start in on him. And he goes, no, 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 no. Like I did have a few drinks, but this, I didn't do this. I didn't get sick on myself. Look, and he gives her the tenor. And he said, that's from the man who got sick on me to get the shirt dry cleaned. So she's like looking at the tenor. She opens up the money and she's looking at it and she goes, there's two tenors here. And he goes, oh, uh, yeah. The other one is for the man who took a shit in my trousers. No! <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love that joke. Matt tells it so much better, but yes. This was such an innocent <laughs> podcast before you came along. I know, and <laughs> I, I was going to tell you the balloon joke, but that makes people so angry that I was like, I better not go with the balloon joke. So, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. stunning. I mean, stunning in the in a gross way. And you play a stunning drunk person. That was fab. <laughs> Many years of practice playing JoJo. He was often and often, often very drunk. Charlene McKenna, it has been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. I know you're a busy lady always. So thank you so much for taking No, time. thank you for having me. And thank you for making us laugh so much. Oh my God. Your impressions though, I don't, I want you to, you have to do one of me. Oh my God, I will. I do will, me. I will do a raw reenactment. <laughs> I'm doing it in my kitchen tonight. Because your Amy Huberman gets me every time. So good. <laughs> So good. Oh, it gives me shivers. Yeah. Oh, Charlene, thank you so much Brilliant. for sharing the last of your life. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Last of Your Life with Charlene McKenna. I really hope you enjoyed it as it was the penultimate episode of this season. Next week marks the last episode of season five. But don't worry, I won't be taking as long a break as I usually do. I should be back before the end of the summer with my brand new season six of the podcast. So make sure you do like and subscribe so you're the first to know when it makes a return. This podcast is recorded with Collaborative Studios and is brought to you by Aussie Hair. Great hair, no worries.